Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Middle of the week, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk comes to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. You can be a part of the conversation. Love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line. That number is 601 879 4395. 601-879-4395. Have you heard about this yet? Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire. It's the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. It's just $30 a month with auto pay. You can learn more about this new plan and this new way to protect your kids at cspire.com. Ceasefire customer inspired. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us this afternoon I admit to you guys I am not all the way through it. I, I'm about halfway through it. Netflix dro- dropped the uh, greatly anticipated, I think, or at least by some, uh, Johnny Manziel documentary last night, Untold. Johnny Football is the name of it. Uh, there are another, um, I think there are a bunch of other names you could give the documentary that would <laughs> probably describe his attitude toward uh, toward life. Man, what a, what a complicated story. One of the things that, that has jumped out to me so far, have either of you guys watched it yet? No, but no, I'm planning no. on it. Okay. I, I've got hard knocks to watch when I get home, and then after that uh, I'll flip over to Johnny Football. So the thing that struck me first was a little bit of a trip down memory lane. If you're an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan, um, your your memories of Johnny Manziel in Oxford and Starkville are not great. He uh, Texas A and M played in Oxford in consecutive seasons, so both of Johnny Manziel's games against Ole Miss were in Oxford, and in both of those games, Johnny Manziel uh, arguably Ole Miss should have won both of them. Johnny Manziel just put that team on his back, and just carried him. He he won. Twice and Texas A&M got the win, but Johnny Manziel won twice in Oxford. His his only game in Starkville was like two days 
after the Scooby-Doo picture came out on Halloween, Cliff Kingsbury tells the story that they see it. They have a GA that kind of goes over to him. He's like, hey, man, we're in the middle of an SEC chase. you, you got to kind of tone it down a little bit. He's like, whatever. Said he is so hung over at their walkthrough the next day, he is sweating buckets. And Kingsbury, who was the offensive coordinator, walked up to him. He's like, dude, if you're going to do this, you better play well. And then yeah, he did. played maybe his best game to that point of his career against Mississippi State in a 38-13 win in Starkville. Totally alpha dog state that day. It was insane to watch. I, I, I have said, you guys may have as well, that there are two quarterbacks that I have watched play football in person that were different than every other quarterback I've ever seen. I've seen Peyton Manning play in person, college and the NFL. Um, saw Tim Tebow play in person. Saw tons of great SEC quarterbacks. Had a front row seat for Eli Manning when he was at Ole Miss. How about guys that have been number one in the draft? There are only two quarterbacks that I have seen that were different than all the others. Johnny Manziel is one of them. The other is Cam Newton. The had me on my edge of my seat is a, a very overused expression. Like me with the word awesome. I say awesome too much. Not everything is awesome. Johnny Manziel was truly a, when Texas A&M was on offense, you sat differently in your living room. And seeing him in the stadium, you, I mean, I, I remember watching him twice in Oxford. Yeah, sit more forward, leaning in, because every time he touched the football, it felt like magic was about to happen, and it usually did. It did. I always remember the next year with Manziel. Uh, he threw for all, over 400 yards against Mississippi State. I'll never forget it. And on Monday, we're talking to Mullen and asked him, you know, what happened there. He's like, well, we schemed to try to stop the run. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the previous year against Mississippi <laughs> State, he kind of carved him up with his feet. Yeah. Man- Manziel only had like 15, 20 yards rushing in that game, but he threw for 440 yards. So, you know, scheme for one, take away one, he still got the other. And, and the thing that I think people forget about that time, Texas A&M had two incredible weapons in, in receiver. Everybody remembers Mike Evans because he was such a physically imposing and dominant wide receiver. He wasn't necessarily the run-by-you guy, but he could run by you. But Johnny Manziel could just throw it up, and he would just out-wrestle guys for the football. He was that physically imposing. But almost every time Texas A&M had to have a play, especially in that 2012 season, Ryan Swope was there to make a play. Ryan Swope. Just over and over and over and over and over. So my TV partner, most of last season and most of this season coming up, is Taylor McCarg. He played football at Rice. He's quarterback at Rice. Um, Rice was the team that Texas A&M played when Johnny Manziel was suspended for the first game. I'm sorry, for the first half of the first game, the season opener 2013. 
And Rice played pretty well that day. Taylor, I, I saw he put it on Twitter. He said, I didn't help things by throwing an early interception in the first half. But when he came onto the field for the first drive of the second half for Texas A&M, he said, it's the loudest I've ever heard a college football stadium. It's incredible. Um, What a player. Now, the other side of the documentary is all the other stuff. And a downward spiral, a complete, lack of commitment to his craft. I mean, there's an acronym that would be very appropriate for Johnny Manziel football player slash Johnny Manziel person. It's D-G-A, and you can fill in the last word. Because that's how he approached everything. He said in the documentary, he didn't care about the stuff on the football field. The stuff on the football field and the success on the football field is what made all the other fun stuff possible. Hanging with movie stars, hanging with A-list celebrities, hanging with pro athletes, wearing Rolexes, suits, Gucci stuff, all of the other stuff was a byproduct of what he did on the football field. And he enjoyed that part of it, the partying part of it, more than he enjoyed the football. The crazy thing is I feel like when you peel back all the layers on Johnny Manziel, the place in his life where he was actually the happiest was when he was doing his thing on the football field. You, you, you can't play the way he played without there being, like, joy. Now, maybe it ended in a hurry. Maybe it was fleeting. He had a lot of people that failed him. And, and his best friend, Uncle Nate, that everybody talks about, I mean, you, you can absolutely argue that he was part of the downfall. But he was also kind of the protector of Johnny Manziel in, in all of that time. Part of, part of the story in the documentary, though, is about all of the money that everybody made. And Johnny Manziel didn't start out thinking about the money, like, oh, I should be paid. But when all of these news stories start coming out about the number of jerseys that Texas A&M sold, ES, or not ESPN, Adidas ran out of blank maroon jerseys. Like they, they, did, they couldn't get any more of them to send to stores to sell with number two on them. Texas A&M, or Bryan College Station benefited. Texas A&M did a study they calculated. They got $37 million worth of free media coverage in that first season that he was there. And there were two big autograph signing sessions where he signed a ton of footballs that went to alumni and donors and whatever. It was, it was as Texas A&M was announcing the big stadium expansion. And, oh, by the way, the Texas A&M Foundation raked in like $760 million in 2012. It was $300 million more than they had ever raised in a single year in the history of the school. And so he starts looking around and seeing all this. He's like, it's time. And then that's when all of the start cashing checks or piling cash, more accurately, started. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you. we got football to talk about. we got some news on the baseball front to uh, get to as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Let's just hit the baseball news and uh, and get that out of the way. I mentioned it in passing. People have been waiting for weeks now to know the answer to the question, where is Braden Montgomery going? Um, the Stanford outfielder slash pitcher that is from the state of Mississippi. Hey, Dad, what was it last week or a week and a half ago where you said, it felt most like he was either going to Texas A&M or back to Stanford, and we got the answer to that today. He is headed to College Station, going to play for Jim Schlossnagel and Texas A&M. It's news here because, obviously, one, he's from the state of Mississippi, and two, this was another guy that Mississippi State was going after in the transfer portal, and it didn't work out. Yeah. And uh, you know when you when you look at it uh, from from a thousand feet above, I mean this this off has not gone well for Mississippi State. State had big needs and really didn't meet them in the transfer portal. They needed a proven Friday night p- pitcher. They did not get that. Um, you know they lose Kellum Clark, who was their leading SEC hitter in SEC play last year. They lose Colton Ledbetter. They didn't really replace him. Uh, that they 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 got a couple of pitchers, you know, and, and Carson Ligon and Kai and Kyle Steven that can be good pieces, I think, but they are not frontline guys that I can just feel confident you can just throw out there in the SEC and, and, and be good. So it's going to be uh, to try to make it as as nice as I can. It's going to be a very interesting uh, see you know few few weeks. Of the opening of the 2024 season, because if that team starts off slow, man, uh, everybody's just going to go jump off the uh, whatever's left of the bandwagon at, at this point. I, I just don't f- foresee a happy ending to all of this. You remember last year going into basketball season, what we said as it pertained to Ole Miss basketball and Kermit Davis that it was NCAA tournament or bust. And I was led to believe that Keith Carter had had a conversation with Kermit Davis that was along those lines. I don't know if it was spelled out directly, but that in their off-season conversations and in making the decision to bring him back for another year, there were expectations that were laid out that were very clear, that Ole Miss needed to take a big step forward in basketball. Feels like, and, and again, I don't know if Zach Selman is having a conversation with Chris Lamonis during the offseason about specific expectations, 
But when you think about what Mississippi State has accomplished as a baseball program over a really long period of time, including recently winning a national championship, this is kind of a postseason or bust year for Mississippi State and Chris Lamonis. I, I don't think I'm overstating that. I think you're understating it. Okay. This is Mississippi State baseball. I mean, it, it really, you, you spend all that money so you can be a, a two-seed in somebody else's regional? I would tell you that, well, first off, if I were the athletic director, we would be talking about a new head coach. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. But, I mean, my thought process is you better host. You better at least get back to some semblance of what this program is supposed to be about. And if you can't do that, then you know I don't know what to tell you. Because Mississippi State didn't build a $60 million baseball stadium so that the first week in June they could go travel to Coastal Carolina or to Stanford or wherever. They, they built it so they could host those regionals. And, and how many times have I used that exact phrase but just changed the, the name of the team? You know, Ole Miss hasn't invested $45 million into its baseball facility over the last decade for it to sit empty the first week of June. Period. And, and that's the conversation we were having a couple of years ago about Ole Miss baseball, and now the conversation has turned to, to Mississippi State baseball. So you don't think just getting to the postseason is enough. You think it's they got a host. I, I'm just telling you what I, how I feel. I understand. Uh, I would think that if he, if he keeps if he gets him into the postseason, he's probably safe. But I mean, th- that is the absolute bare bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, hey, Dad, do you think the portal was weak for Mississippi State because of where the program is? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, players want to win. You know, Luke Holman wanted to go to LSU because they just won a national title. Braden Montgomery, I mean, the last two years for A&M have been Omaha and Super Regional. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that, especially if you're in your last year. You don't want to you don't want to struggle the whole season long. You want to play if you got a chance to play at a top program, you want to. Yeah. And Mississippi State right now can't promise you that. Chase and Columbus, forget the postseason. If they're not a top twenty-five level program by mid-April, there will be a change made. Okay. Um. I don't know about that. I don't know if they would yeah, go mid-season maybe, like that. Maybe so. Um. We got a message saying that, I'm paraphrasing here, but that they didn't like or didn't think that Mississippi State handled the recruitment in the transfer portal of Braden Montgomery very well. Can you shine any light on that? I, Shed any light? I, I just don't think Braden Montgomery wanted to be at Mississippi State. Okay. I think that, I just don't think that that was the case, you know. Um, State didn't really recruit him very hard out of high school. Maybe that was maybe he held a grudge for that. I don't know, but he the, the throughout this process it, it never really. I mean, he never even visited. I mean, he, he's never come to campus for an official visit. So I don't know why you would think that he was going to end up at Mississippi State. I I, I stopped thinking that. I know that that was like a heavy rumor even before he entered the portal. And then when he entered the portal, there was like a you know, some, there was some juice. Okay, well this is going to happen. But I felt like it petered out pretty quickly and that he was always looking to go elsewhere. And and I don't think Ole Miss was ever in it. When, when he no. went into the portal at the beginning, there were Ole Miss fans who immediately, ah, oh, go get him, go get him. I mean, as 
Anytime yeah. any good player comes right. in and you got a good program, anybody's going to say that about a star player. Go get this guy. Could be a difference maker. I read somewhere, and I, I don't know if this is rooted in fact or it's just some opinion that somebody had that when Mike Bianco was the, the manager of Team USA, Braden Montgomery did not make the national team, and maybe that that led to frustration. I, I don't animosity. know. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But it, but to, to go back to your overriding point, yeah, for whatever reason, Ole Miss was never a candidate for him. And it, it feels like Mississippi State was only one to some Mississippi State people that, you know, to Braden Montgomery, they were not really a candidate. Yeah. Could very well be the case. And I'm sure it was an attractive NIL situation at Texas A&M. That's a good program, too. Yeah. Schloss Nichols is a good coach. I said they were in the they were in Omaha two years ago. They were in a super regional last year. They'll probably be right in that uh, that mix again this year. I, obviously, adding Montgomery is a big piece of that. I'm good sure player. The NIL is really good, good but their collective was dealt uh, kind of a blow today. And the most obvious thing ever, though, I'm sure you guys saw the story, but um, the, the the collectives here in Mississippi had the foresight to not be dumb like this. Texas A&M tried to essentially fold their collective into the athletic department and into their foundation, the into their foundation, foundation. And, and make it a charity that the collective was actually operating yeah. as a charity. And everybody with a functioning brain knows, well, that's not true. And they tried it anyway, and Ross Bjork did the tough guy thing, and it turns out um, the IRS told them they can't do it, and everybody knew that the IRS told them they couldn't do it a while ago. And they folded it as it currently exists. Now, they'll restructure and, and all that later. But the reporting, once they decided to make that move, other SEC schools to friend of the show Ross Dellinger said they're laundering money. That's what that is. It's money laundering. And they had to stop. So they're having to restructure at Texas A&M, their entire collective, because they thought that they were going to be able to operate as a charity, funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars to college athletes as a charity. Yeah, and I don't know if I would characterize it exactly the way you did. Right idea, but certainly they were trying to capitalize on the not-for-profit status that the foundation enjoys to be able to take in donations and then funnel those to the school and we're trying to create benefits for donors through NIL gifts in the same way that they do for donations to the foundation and to the university. It was an incredibly brazen approach by Texas A&M. And there were a lot of people that were watching with a great deal of interest to see if it was going to work. Because if it worked, you were going to see copycats all over the place. But it did not work, as was predicted by basically everybody that knew anything about that situation and so, yeah, Texas A&M's now got to do just a uh, a regular collective like everybody else. Let's check in with Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau guest line. Coming up next, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now. Wednesday 
Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk, Mississippi, the 9th of August. We are three and a half weeks away from the first full Saturday of the college football season. It'll be an entire weekend, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday opening weekend of college football. And Southern Miss will be part of that when they open the season at home against Alcorn State on September 2nd. Luke Johnson joins us right now on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. With with Luke, maybe we should call it the Farm Bureau friend line instead of guest line. He's he's part of the crew. He's a friend. He's not just a guest. Hi, Luke. Hey, Richard. How are y'all on this Wednesday? Wonderful. Always appreciate your time. Um, Will Hall has to be happier because now they're playing football, because they have pads on. It's none of this shorts and helmets nonsense anymore. It's um, well, it's like super tight pants that come just above your knees and shoulder pads. And now we can play football. Yeah, he, uh, he said yesterday, I think early in practice, Chase Stanley hit somebody pretty hard, and he got fired up. And, and exactly what you said, we're playing football now. So Eagles were in full pads yesterday. They went back to shells today, but... A lot of energy. Um, Eagle Hour was out there yesterday, and it, it's just—it's always a step up whenever the pads get on and you start actually hearing people hit. What uh, what did you learn being uh, at practice yesterday and kind of watching it in person, seeing them kind of go through the full deal? So, a lot of players um, that that they they feel good about positionally as far as, like, tool-wise. And one guy that they're really happy to have back, a guy named Brandon Hayes. Will Hall said yesterday, uh, he, he, Brandon is a wide receiver out of Oak Grove, three-star guy out of Oak Grove, and he was hurt all last year towards ACL. And, you know, Will Hall said yesterday, a lot of people talk about how we missed Swayze Bozeman last year and we missed Hayes Maples at linebacker, but a lot of people don't realize that we really hurt last year not having Brandon Hayes. And, um, even today, I mean, Hayes is one of the fastest guys on the field. Uh, had, had two long touchdown pass or receptions from, from one from Wiles, one from Edwards. He's going to be a, a, a crazy difference maker this year. And he's not even in the starting three. So, um, you know, having him back, the defense flies to the ball. Um, they, there weren't a lot of missed tackles. And this is coming, um, also on, on the offensive side. They've been really impressed with the offensive line because it's pretty much set, and and I think that's really what's going to happen um, for for the the passing attack to come along the running game. They're really going to emphasize it. So, just getting after it uh, with with the positivity. Had some injury news come out, you know, also that that's not good, and we can talk more about that as well. Well, let's do it. Let's. I mean, let's just get the bat out of the way because I want to talk quarterbacks as well, and and what you're seeing at the quarterback position. So, what is the uh, what is the most recent injury news? Two two players, Armandus Cooley, uh, who transferred from Mississippi State, Wayne County guy. He tore his Achilles, and he was pushing for a lot of playing time. Played in 13 games last year. Was going to be big time on the the defensive line. He's out obviously for the year. He'll have uh, he'll have uh, surgery soon. And then the other um, has, has been kind of – there have been little talks about it. Uh, Avery Hobbes has been absent from camp. Um, Dan O'Brien mentioned last week that he was, you know, losing a guy like Hobbes uh, is, is bad. And so nobody knew really what was going on with Avery. Will commented on it, and uh, he's not with the team right now. He'll be back in Hattiesburg this week. 
Well, whatever it is, it's pretty substantial. And, and Hobbes led that defense last year with tackles for loss, and he was going to be back at, at kind of that hybrid defensive end backer position. They call it the Jack. And so those are two guys, Cooley obviously out. Hobbes, it appears, is going to be out for a long time. Not sure what it is. Can't speculate on it. But um, the Nasty Bunch down two guys, you know, for uh, for the considerable future. But with that said, um, yeah, there, there's been bright spots on both sides of the balls early in camp through seven practices. Well, and that's the news that you want to avoid, right? I mean, one, you want injuries not to happen to anybody, and you especially want injuries not to happen to guys that you believe are going to be impact players. Football is a contact sport, and so it's part of the game, and it happens. But, man, that's a bummer just a week, week and a half into uh, into camp for Southern Miss. Visiting with Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. So you, you mentioned the quarterback spot a second ago, just kind of calling names out. Holman Edwards and uh, and Billy Wiles are the guys that uh, I, I feel like most people are keeping their eye on. Do you believe there's a, a clear-cut number one yet? No, I mean they they've gone back and forth. I mean they've 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 had good good uh, days, and you know Dima Mixon from Big Gold Nation, he kind of said it this way: um, Will Hall's going to have to kind of maybe pick what he wants. And for instance, like Holman is is deadly on the deep ball. I, I'm talking about he, he's probably got the 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 stronger arm in the sense on the deep ball, more accurate. But Billy's been a whole lot better in, like, mid-range game. He's a more precise passer. Um, and this offense has both burners and, you know, possession guys. And so um, I, I think really both guys have, have made the case through seven practices that they're the guy. You just you kind of feel like which way the offense is going to go is, is going to be based off that. So uh, Edwards will probably has a, a better deep ball, but, but Wiles is 15 and in. Wiles has been the more precise passer. All right, I'm kind of getting off in the weeds, and I'm, I may be asking you to do something that you're not comfortable with. If you say the weakness or, or a weakness for Holman Edwards is kind of the intermediate passing game and, and Wiles has more of a weakness in the, the deep throw, which of those two weaknesses is less, less glaring, more overcomable? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably think early on, I mean, eventually what, you know, you can defend – you know, you can defend deep balls eventually. You can just put more people back there. I would think that the, the simple simple aspect of it is you want to have more options in between. But to, to say that, that doesn't mean that Holman Edwards isn't a, a you know, a, a passer. Like, just for instance, you just go off the sample size. They were in a drill, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and you know, he threw he threw a, a big interception in the, in the red zone. At the same time, he's airing it out to, to Brandon Hayes. It just seems as if Lyles was getting – um, passes across the middle. He was more accurate in that, and that's where I'm, I'm using the uh, you know the precision uh, description there. So I would say right now, I mean, it, it I literally, I mean, I, it really is. It's going to depend on what emphasis Hall wants his uh, his quarterback to have, and and that's why Saturday they've got a huge scrimmage. I think Saturday you will have a sense coming out of Saturday, maybe not who has like a full step up, but maybe half a step up on the other guy. Is the <clears throat> excuse me? Is the scrimmage open to the public on Saturday? Yeah, practices are. Yeah, it should okay. be should be open. Will Hall's like, y'all want to come watch? Come on and watch, huh? I love it. 
And it and the opportunity too, they've been bragging about it. I don't know if you guys knew this. Southern Miss got, got new turf over the season and it's yes. considerably better than it was before. Players love it. And that's another reason, you know, to, to watch these things. But apparently it you know, it's it's much softer than before. Better than that stuff we used to run on, say that much. Um but I, I think that that the scrimmage will allow both of those guys to the game will be faster to them, which will probably accelerate positives and accelerate negatives, you know, as they're put under the gun. Because this, this is a really fast defense, especially uh, in the, well, just the, the back end has been really good too. But I'm, they're going to get a lot of pressure Saturday, and it'll probably expose some things and, and uh, you know, highlight some others. Anything else stood out to you at, uh, at practice so far? Just it seems that, that everybody has kind of taken the overlook from the Sun Belt. You know, this team's finished, you know, picked to finish fourth. Everybody's just kind of taking that in stride and feels confident. We, we talked to, to Drake Clark today, who's, who's the one of that three-headed monster in the backfield with Kenyon Clay and, and Frank Gore, and he just says, you know, it, it doesn't bother them the fact that, that they're being overlooked. Um, there's a lot of confidence, and they feel like they're going to surprise some people. Um, and, and so I, I kind of like that. That's just kind of the old-school Southern Miss way. We'll see you on the field. We're not going to say much. And, and so uh, the energy – um, and just kind of the quiet confidence that this team seems to be moving with um, is is really the, the few things that stand out. Luke, always uh, always appreciate your time. Good catching up this afternoon. All right. You guys have a great day. See you later. Thank you, Luke Johnson, on the Farm Bureau guest line, favorites.com. That's the uh, the website. An interesting note about the quarterback deal, right? When, when you got two guys that are doing good things, but maybe one of them has a strength. Holman Edwards, he was talking about strength in the deep ball. Wiles, a little bit better in the intermediate underneath passing game. It's be fascinating. You remember what Will Hall told us, right, in, in terms of what he wanted to see. Go make the plays as they're called that are there to be made first. And then after that, who can, uh, can make some plays when things go off script? And... Um, which sure would be fascinating to kind of know where he is in his evaluation of that position, what, a week and a half through practice? Or the week? Was it a week ago today that they started? week ago yesterday? Anyway. Today? Yeah, week ago today when, uh, when Southern Miss began camp. They've got the day off tomorrow. I would imagine that players are looking forward to that, and then they will get going again on Friday and then have that big scrimmage. That, uh, that Luke was talking about on Saturday. More coming up. We're back with you after this on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It's time to get real. Real Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Borky loves playing the numbers game. It's our newest set of numbers. Oh, it's a good set, too. It's the best set. We only have one of the five numbers that have a three in front of it now. How about that? 
Okay. 17, 22, 24, 29, 32. 17 days until week zero. 22 days until that first big Thursday. Utah, Florida. A lot of people are sneaky kind of high on Florida now. You know, everything good happens in training camp with the exception of injuries, but people are starting to talk themselves into Florida. Saw an article today that called them a chaos team. I don't know. Either way, they get started on that Thursday in Salt Lake. You also have Nebraska-Minnesota as a TV2 game. 24 days until we get started around here on that first Saturday. 29 days until Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, kick off on Thursday night against Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. And then 32 days until the Saints get started on that first Sunday. Those numbers are good. I wish the numbers had been 13, 19, 20, 32, 33, and 14, though. Or at least I wish those had been the numbers for me last night. Uh, Single winning ticket in the greater Jacksonville area. Uh, 1.58 billion total number, 780-something cash option after taxes, 462 million-ish. And to Congrats answer to the your United question, government. Ed, yes, there would have been a cross one. Yeah. Congrats to the United States government. They made almost $800 million last night by doing absolutely nothing. No, 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 that's not true. They only get the tax money. They, they get the difference in uh, the, the cash option and, and what you take after taxes. They would have made $300 million, though. Still, that's not a bad payday for doing nothing. That's the same thing like. You ever look at your receipt when you go on a big grocery store run? Not like when you go in to get a couple things, but when you've got to replenish everything and you're talking like two, three bills worth of uh, of groceries, and you look at how much was taken out of that money and given to people that had nothing to do with the transaction? Yeah, I love that. That's my favorite. Yeah, yeah but... They, how our society works. They, they spend it wisely, though. Oh. Hey, we don't, we don't normally... We don't normally do like shout outs to listeners, but sometimes they're interesting shout outs that are worthwhile. Like when we get a text from uh, someone who's listening in Shanghai. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. A buddy Doyle listening in Shanghai. He's there on a business trip and uh, sent me a picture of the, the Shanghai skyline. I wonder what time it is there. Googling it. 4.56 a.m. God bless you, sir. Ooh. He's up early. What was that flight? He's like? either He's up, up really late, late or really early. Yeah, there's only there's no option there. Yeah, I'm gonna go. He's up early. Yeah. How do you pass the time on a 16 hour flight? Because you can just say, yeah, watch Netflix the whole time and take a nap. But buddy, take a Valium. Netflix gets boring and naps aren't 16 hours long. Well, it's not a nap. It's you're you're sleeping at that point. Yeah. You're you're asleep. I I do know that. This is business travel for him, and as such, he is—he uh, does not have to um, sit in the back of the plane cattle car. So, I think the meals are pretty good. You got a lot of movie options, but yeah, sixteen hours is a long time. Not like you can sleep for sixteen hours. I mean, maybe there's some people that can. I wouldn't think there are many though. Could you sleep half of that, I guess? Get eight hours of sleep on a plane? You could get eight hours then, yeah. Spend the other eight, you know, doing your calisthenics like Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that was just like a five-hour flight to London, too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't even. Yeah. yeah. What's the longest flight you've ever been on? Uh, Birmingham to L.A. And then back to Vegas. They did a stop in L.A. They flew over Vegas to get to L.A., and then we went back to Vegas. Um, Birmingham, uh, not Birmingham, Atlanta to Paris, I think's where we flew into. So I've been to Europe twice, but a long time ago. I have not been in 20 years, but I went twice in as many years. I think we were Memphis to Atlanta and then Atlanta to Paris. However long, was it seven-hour flight? Something like that? The same flight that the Oregon volleyball team is going to have to take coming uh, coming here soon? I, I, I know how long the flight to Paris is. I've made it so many times, I just... Well, you were right. You were Johnny on the spot with time zones. I thought you could help me with uh, flight length as well. It was a long flight, and I was not sitting in the um, the seats that fully recline and lay flat, and they bring you nice meals and warm towels and, you know, yeah, whatever you want to drink. No, it was... feels like your feet swell when you're on a plane for that long. Like circulation, you got to get up and move around a little bit. But yeah. Airlines kind of frown on that. So maybe Russell Wilson was on to something. Anyway. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books. So on three has given their dark horse conference champions for the Power Five leagues. Let's take a look at those to start the 4 o'clock hour when we come back. We will be back right after this. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Learn more about the property at pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line is open. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home Internet solutions, or the best in business IT services, Seaspire's got you covered. Learn more about them online at cspire.com. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. When you are getting ready for your fall schedule of events, whether it's baseball, fast pitch, or soccer, check out the website because there are events that are coming up throughout the fall. They got started, I think, last weekend. There was a, a little bit going on at M-Trade Park last weekend. Uh, next weekend, not not this coming, but the following weekend is the first big baseball weekend of the fall, and then they will roll all the way through October, maybe even into early November. For the full schedule of events that are coming to M-Trade Park, visit them online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. 
Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. So, on three, um, content season, list season to a uh, to a certain degree, but this is kind of interesting. So we're we're talking SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, and we know who the favorites are to win these leagues. What about the team that is off the radar, the the dark horse team in these conferences? Before we talk about their list, let's talk about our thoughts on this for a second. ACC, I guess since I said earlier this week that I feel like Louisville could be the team that is TCU from a year ago, that I think I would classify Louisville as the dark horse. And I don't know that you can even say dark horse anymore because there's so much coverage of everybody in college football. It's like nobody's really just like a complete surprise. TCU last year, though. They were. We knew about TCU. We just didn't know enough about TCU. But certainly Louisville is not in the same people are talking about them categories, Florida State and Clemson. Or Miami because of the brand that they are or North Carolina because they've got Drake May. So they're down a little bit to that. So I'm going Louisville Dark Horse. Anybody else in the ACC that you guys think we ought to be watching? I mean, Outside of Clemson, Florida State, I mean. Returned a ton. Got a quality quarterback back, play. Eight and four last year and year one under under Mike Elko in the regular season and a, and a good quarterback. I mean, are we counting North Carolina as a favorite? Just because, I mean... Can't call them a have, dark horse, though. Yeah, they're, they're in this weird area, right? But they have they have the best quarterback, so that helps them. I mean, that makes you that, that makes you a contender right off the bat. So We think they've got the best quarterback. I think they have the best quarterback in the ACC, yes. There, there's a chance that Club Nick at Clemson is a guy... I mean, he's... Nobody's talking, which is weird. Nobody's talking about the Clemson quarterback. When's the last time you've been able to say that? I mean, DJ Uyongle, like got the national Dr. Pepper commercial that was played everywhere before he was the full-time starter. And now you've got this former five-star with all the talent in the world that is flying under the radar at Clemson, of all places. You might look up whatever Heismanards are. There's probably some pretty incredible value in him. Because if they go 11 and 1 or whatever and he has a good year, you know, things happen. So, the Clemson quarterback under the radar and he by the end of the year won't be, I don't think. I still don't feel like Jordan Travis is the first name that pops to people's mind when you start talking about quarterbacks in the ACC. Drake May should be at the top of the list going into the year. I understand that. But with the season that he had a year ago and with the excitement that is building around that Florida State team, Jordan Travis should be talked about more than he is. But, all right, so that's the uh, that's the ACC. And for the record, Louisville was the team that, uh, that on three had as the dark horse. Picked to finish eighth in the ACC preseason poll. Um, Jeff Brom now in charge, back at his alma mater. Quarterback transfer Jake uh, Jack Plummer, not Jake Plummer, but Jack Plummer. Got some pretty good wide receivers and led the country in sacks a year ago with 50. By the way, one of those guys that was an important piece for Louisville a year ago on the defensive side 
Ole Miss is hoping he's an important piece for them this year as Monty Montgomery transferred out. And they lost a couple of other linebackers to the uh, to the NFL, or defensive players to the NFL. So we'll see how that defense responds. But Big Ten, dark horse in the Big Ten. Who you got? Wisconsin. There's no such. There's no such thing. There's just no such thing as a dark horse in the Big Ten or the SEC. It's silly. It's gonna be Michigan or Ohio State. I mean, after that, everything else is like some ridiculous combination of wins and loss. It's that's not gonna happen. Yeah, but we you made me pick one. I'd say Penn State, but it, it's, it's not gonna it's happen. It's a top ten team. They're not good enough to beat Michigan and Ohio State. For the sake of the exercise, they're not going undefeated. I don't love the Iowa pick on here. Wisconsin does have a lot of hype, though, so can you be as hyped as they are? But but Wisconsin, I think, would be my pick. because You can't pick Iowa. Michigan, That's Ohio State are, are the class of the Big Ten. Penn State starting the season in the top ten. They return a ton of people. People are really high on what Penn State has. Wisconsin, new coach, new offense, transfer quarterback. Usually really good in terms of roster composition. I, I can't imagine Luke Fickle took over a, a bare cupboard. Now, he's changing things, but <clears throat> they usually, at Wisconsin, have good football players. Even when the teams aren't good, they still have good players. For a dark horse in the Big Ten, I think that's the that's the one. Yeah. Here's one that, it, if, you, if you really want to go out there, I mean, Michigan State won... What eleven games two years ago? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Mel Tucker's a really good coach, and last year was just an outlier, and they're going to be back this year. Brett Bielema, Illinois. Ah, no. I, mean, I like Altmeyer, but no. By the way, a um, another team from the ACC that we never ever talk about, and they just go out and they kind of get to bowl eligibility just about every year. Wake Forest. Clawson really yeah, likes but, his quarterback. Uh, I heard yeah. an interview uh, with him that said, you know, he was like, I could have dipped my toe in the transfer market after Sam left, but I didn't want to because I've got his replacement right here. And, and, and they've done that under Clawson. The most underrated coach in the country, I say that like this time of year every year. He produces quality quarterbacks and good football teams every single year. Losing Sam Hartman is not going to stop them from being competitive. Hartman's great. Yeah. But they're still going to be competitive. I love what On3 writes about Iowa in the Big Ten. The Hawkeyes are a punchline for good reason. But what if I, uh, Iowa suddenly had an offense capable of scaring teams even every third drive? They were <laughs> anemically terrible in 2022. But they went out and found upgrades at quarterback and Cade McNamara, receiver and Caleb Brown, and tight end with Eric All. You got seven starters returning on defense, including All American defensive back Cooper DeJean, off a unit that allowed less than four yards per play a season ago. If you keep people off the scoreboard, you have chances to win. That is correct. Defense doesn't win championships anymore, but it can sure help. So this was written by Jesse Simonton at, uh, at at on three. I love who he picked for the dark horse in the Big Twelve. By the way, really good pick. Hey, Dad, I'm sorry I interrupted you. And then I forgot what I said. What did I say? I don't know. I couldn't hear. I don't you know. I Go ahead. My, my my fault. Go ahead. 
Um, it's okay. Texas Tech in the Big 12. If you, I mean, if you wanted to go with another, you could go with Baylor. But it really felt like Texas Tech was coming on at the end of the year. We saw them in the bowl game, obviously the Texas Bowl, where they handled Ole Miss with relative ease. Joey McGuire seems to kind of have it going. They've committed to him in a contract extension before the season was over a year ago. 14 starters returning from uh, last season as well. They're picked to finish fourth, so I'm not sure that that's like full-on dark horse, but everybody's talking about Texas. A lot of people talking about Kansas State. A lot of conversation about whether OU bounces back. What can TCU do following a season in which they played for the national title? Even in picking Texas Tech fourth, a lot of people talking about the Red Raiders way out in Lubbock. We'll see what uh, they say for the Pac-12 SEC and SEC when uh, when we come back. Although Haydad says there's no such thing as a dark horse in the SEC. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Our text line open at 601-879-4395. Chase says, nothing gets me more hyped up that football season is upon us. Like conversation about, hey, Dad, actual on-field football. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Borky loves Wake Forest. I do. Dave Clawson mostly. You mentioning Wake Forest made me think: when the ACC finally dissolves, where do Wake? Uh, where does Wake end up in the Big Twelve in the Sun Belt? We talked about that yesterday while you were out, and the Sun Belt is a very good Wake Forest de- destination. They've been a good, solid member of the ACC for a long time. Yeah. They have been, but they won't make a round of. Uh, if the ACC dissolves. Big 12 likely not coming for Wake Forest. Prediction time. The ACC doesn't dissolve. A handful of teams leave. They replace them with the likes of Appalachian State, and they keep on plugging. Kind of like what the Mountain West slash Pac-12 seems like the direction that that's headed, where they'll merge, they'll call it the Pac-whatever, and they'll keep on plugging. You know, they won't get as much money. It won't be a power league anymore. But... Just the dispansion of a conference feels unlikely when not everybody, not even half the schools in the ACC are going to have a home, are they? At some point, the TV networks are going to say, we're not giving you $70 million more per team when you add, when you just keep adding. And you just keep adding, we're, we're, just, we're not going to keep increasing this to the point where we're paying you the same amount that we pay for other sports. I don't know. It, it feels like... ESPN will at some point say you have reached your maximum value. I mean, they already did that with the Pac-12. They already did that. So, our, our... hey, it's kind of unrelated, but but kind of tied together. So, 
If Apple had really wanted the Pac-12 deal, I mean, the amount of cash that Apple as a company is sitting on is mind-boggling. That Did you listen to yesterday's show? No, no, no. I made this this comment that, like, for, like, another $70 million, they could have saved the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. I mean, instead of paying $25 million a year, they could have gone to the $31 million a year. Everybody would have signed the deal, yeah. and they would have gone on and, and gotten it. Yeah. And, and that's just chump change to Apple. Could, could possibly have revolutionized the way that we consume college football. I don't know if the Pac-12 can revolutionize it, but if the Pac-12 is worth $25 million to Apple, and they haven't had incentives that if they hit certain subscribers no, subscriber numbers, that that number would go up to like cap out at around fifty million. What do you think Apple would pay the SEC? Like for for a comparable package where where they got all the marquee games in football and basketball, and they were streaming because because the actual product produced by Apple, like for Major League Soccer and some of the other sports they do, is really good. It's just that it's a streaming service. It's not a traditional TV service. So what would Apple pay the SEC? There's two ways to look at that. One is a lot. I mean, they would I mean, if they were willing to give 25 million for for the Pac-12, you would think it'd be at least triple that for the SEC. But the other side of it is they lowballed the Pac-12, so maybe they were just like we don't really want to get into this 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 game after all. Yeah. We'll just Maybe give so. you an offer, and we know you won't take it, so we can just all move on. I mean, the thing is, SEC fans would play, uh, would initially complain, and then you know what they'd do? They'd go out and buy the service at mm-hmm. $10 a month, $12 a month, $15 a month, whatever it costs. People would pay for it. And you would hit those subscriber thresholds, like just like boom, 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 boom. Blow them out of the water. Anyway, just... I don't know, it just popped into my head. If any All conference right. can get away with that, it's this one. Or the Big Ten. They could do. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Pac-12 Dark Horse. Who you got? I mean, that whole conference is, is a dark horse after USC. It feels like anybody could win it. I mean, you probably make a case somehow for half the teams in the conference to do it. I've mentioned it, though, before. Oregon State. I think they I mean they won ten games a year ago. They bring in a better quarterback. We talked to Brandon Marcello yesterday about them. He said they returned what four starters on the offensive line. Three of them are all Pac-12 guys. And that's that's going to be a good football team. Uh, it'd be really funny for them as well to win it on the way out the door with the conference going out and them not coming with it. I think uh, that's uh, you know we, we need a good story. Let's let's go with that one. I, I learned something heartbreaking the other day. Let's play this all the way out. Let's let Oregon State win the Pac-12, but with a loss or two, so they're not going to be a playoff team. Would be fine, though, right? You're Oregon State. What do you want? You want to play in the Rose Bowl. Not this year. Not this year, yeah. It's a playoff game. Rose Bowl's a playoff game, so even if Oregon State won the Pac-12 title, Unless they were in the playoff, they would not get that Rose Bowl on the way out the door. Um, I do hope they win the league. I am am fully aware that you're going to raise an objection to this. 
And you're going to say, no, Richard, that's not a dark horse. You can't pick them. And I agree, you can't. But the way they are talked about, the way they are thought about, I don't care that they have won the conference title game for the last two years. Utah, dark horse to win the eight, to win the Pac-12? Out of the favorite, aren't they? No, I mean, Southern Cal's the favorite. People are looking well, at Oregon State. I get that, but when you actually watch the games, Utah's the favorite. But you get favorite. what I'm saying, though, right? I mean, like because yeah. it's like... Oh, yeah, it's just another 10-win season for Kyle Whittingham in Utah. Oh, yeah, they won the league again. Did you know they did that last year? Ah, I had forgotten that. It feels like the way people think about Utah, they are kind of in that dark horse category. But I know that that's an objectionable submission and won't fly. I think on threes, SEC one is the most objectionable. And, and I understand why, spoiler, they selected Texas A&M as the dark horse. I get it, because nobody expects them Pre-season to win the SEC. Pre-season top 25, Texas A&M. Pre-season top 25. But when you have the roster that they have and what it costs to assemble it, I don't think you can be a dark horse. I, I, I Because of the roster composition... And what they have invested on that roster, you cannot tell me you are a dark horse. How many football teams in the country cost more than Texas A&M's? Oh, not many. You wouldn't get the thumb when you were counting on your hand, I don't think. So how can that be a dark horse? A dark horse is Kentucky. That's a dark horse. But, but a team that has the volume of four- and five-star players and the money invested in it, to me, you can't call that a dark horse. I agree with what you're saying, but also your dark horse is teams that were bad a year ago that you feel like might could win the whole thing this year, and they were bad a year ago. Kentucky wasn't great. Prove it. Kentucky wasn't great. They did lose to Vanderbilt. Uh, somebody said the only dark horse to win the SEC is Tennessee. That's the only one. Because nobody would predict them to beat Alabama and Georgia, which they would probably have to do. So, yeah, Texas A&M not win the SEC. I mean, it, it, there's dark horses in there's fantasy world. That's where you are if you think Texas A&M is going to win the conference. If you are not allowed to say Texas A&M and you have to pick a team out of the West, is, is Ole Miss the team that you say is the dark horse? No. What is I mean, your definition I, of dark horse? You say no to all of them. What is your definition of dark horse? No, no, no. Baylor is a dark horse to win the Big 12. I'll totally agree with that, right? But some of these conferences just are just, there is no dark horse to win the SEC. There's not going to be a surprise team come out of nowhere and take over and beat Alabama and Georgia and LA. It's not going to happen. So I mean, when you say it's there's dark horse, there's no shred of realism to that. There's nobody in the West other than Alabama and LSU that can win the West. Period. Well, let's we'll just go to break here. Uh, I, I just don't know what uh, to No, I mean... I mean, can Ole Miss have a really good season? Could they go 9-3? and three? Sure. Sure they could. But are they going to go 12-0, and 0, which is what it's going to take to win the West? No. 
No, twelve and zero. It's not going to take twelve and zero to win the West this year. Well, it's going to take eleven and one. It's not. It, it last last year, year, what was it? Nine and three. It was nine and three, but uh, but uh, LSU had a non-conference loss. Yeah, to Florida State. And that's the first time in how long that a two-loss team had. It's been a while. So you're saying it's possible? Was it? It might have been State in '98. It might have been. That's how long it's been. No, you had a you had a three-loss Arkansas get there since then. Did they have? But they they had a non-conference loss, didn't they? They lose the USC that year. Maybe so. Maybe it was six and two in the league. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll take a timeout. Back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. More Sports Talk Mississippi. It's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Text line. Chase says, Dark Horse doesn't even refer to a chance to win. It means when they come into the final turn and final straightaway, who is right there in the mix that you didn't expect to be there? They may fade late, but for a lot of the race, they were right there. Okay. CC and Centobia yeah. says that, yes, Ole Miss is the Dark Horse. Will they do it? Probably not, but that's why they qualify as a dark horse. It would be an unlikely accomplishment, which is what the term dark horse means. Hey, Dad. Well, then everybody's a dark horse because it would be an unlikely accomplishment for everyone not named Alabama and LSU. This otherwise uh, waiting till the season begins innocuous content has turned into whatever this is. This is who's the if there had to be a dark horse Again, candidate, who would it be? In the, not in the not Big do you Twelve. Think this team can or will. It's just if somebody were to surprise everybody and come I, out of nowhere like I got TCU no problem. last year, who, who I got would no do problem that? discussing it for the Big Twelve. I got no problem discussing it for the Pac twelve. The ACC, I, I can you know, okay, I can maybe a little bit. But the Big Ten and the SEC, no. Rewind I don't, I don't, twelve I, months. Were we talking about LSU winning the SEC West last year? No. Twelve months ago. So it's possible. No, but but it's LSU. Three years ago, they were the national champions, and then they fired you know their the coach because they there. sucked so bad. Right. So I knew the talent. The talent was there. It's not an issue of talent with them. And with A and M, yeah, the talent's there, but they didn't fire their coach. They did. Jimbo Fisher's still there. So you know, if they had fired Jimbo Fisher and brought in a real coach, and I, I, maybe I'd say yeah. But you said LSU doesn't have a chance to win it this year. You said Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee no. are the only three that have a chance. No, I didn't. I said, no, I picked LSU to win the West. I said LSU. In this conversation? I'm sure I did, but I picked LSU to win the West. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question. Why is Ole Miss a dark horse, but Mississippi State isn't? I like what Mississippi State returns more than what Ole Miss returns that's a homer pick, 100%. If you are only basing it on what returns to the roster from last season, okay. 
But that's not all Ole Miss has on this team. Ole Miss has a better roster, I think, in this 2023 season than they had last year. I think they got a better roster. You got more experience on the offensive line. Better at tight end. By default, because they were playing a walk-on on a broken ankle for half the season last year. So, yeah. You know, wide receiver, we'll see. There's more experience at quarterback than there was a year ago. There's more experience at running back, albeit without Zach Evans. By the way, what do we make of the uh, – I don't know if you guys talked about this yesterday. The Oregon State transfer running back that Ole Miss picked up, Jam somebody, I can't remember his last name. Well, we talked about uh, Tez Walker, the receiver from North Carolina, getting denied his waiver. So my guess is these, well, he late, won't need a these waiver. late additions for Ole Miss. He's a, he's a grad transfer. He, he just graduated he's a grad. Well, then he'll be fine, but the other one's in trouble. Not in trouble, but, you know. Unlikely. Practice squad guys, most likely. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and Grenada, hot take. Both Dart and Willie Rogers stink. That well, that's is a wrong. very hot take. That is just wrong. I don't know if, Jeff, I'd call that a hot take. I might call it a dumb take. I'm not saying yeah. you're dumb. I just, I don't think, like, how do you back that up? Yeah. I'll hear you out. I'll, I'll read your response. But I mean, Will Rogers is the SEC's all-time leader in completion percentage. And you can say, well, he throws a lot of short passes. Yeah, but could you complete them? Well, but I mean, that's not I mean, a fair argument. Could you do it? I mean, we're talking about in the well, I'm just saying, playing quarterback. A quarterback that stinks that can't complete those passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but again, Jeff, if, if you want to back that up, feel free. But, like, I don't think there's really a metric that you can point to that we would use to grade or talk about or look at quarterbacks where you're like, yeah, they're really bad in that category. Both complete passes at a high level, both thrown for a bunch of yards. But I'm, again, more than open to hearing you. Yeah. Um, Oh, there we go. Ole Miss does not have a better roster. Richard got them glasses on in that Kool-Aid cup. It's a styrofoam cup, though. I, I wasn't even comparing Ole Miss's roster to Mississippi State's. I was comparing Ole Miss's roster to its roster from a year ago. Am I wrong for thinking that Ole Miss's roster is more talented this year than it was? There, there's season? a chance that it is. I mean, lo- losing Mingo and Heath, uh, he, Heath has been really good, by the way, and and Green Bay. I mean, there camp, was a big but, old I think on the on the yeah. end of what I said. No, th- there's absolutely a chance, it, it, and it's very similar. That's the thing here. When and of course the Texans going to do it because because there's fans on it, and that's what they do, and, and that's good. Like we appreciate you. The passion is good, but that. There are too many people that that talk about Mississippi State and Ole Miss in certain things as if they know. Well, I know Zach Arnett's going to be good. I think he will. Me, I think he will. But you don't know because he hadn't done it yet. I know that Barbe's offense is going to be good. No, you don't. You think you do, but it's new. It's a new offensive coordinator. It's a new system. It's a new head coach. 
And people just kind of push that aside as, oh, yeah, definitely going to work. I think it will. I like Zach Ornett a lot. I'm impressed by him every time I hear him speak. But I haven't seen him run a program yet. And neither have you. I think that Pete Golding's new defense is going to be to the benefit of Ole Miss. I think that what they've added in the portal on defense is better than what they had a year ago, especially depth on the defensive line. On paper, is much better. But I don't know in, until I see it. So this, the, the, the response of Richards a Homer for saying that, which he heard incorrectly, you don't know. You, you think the opposite because you are exactly what you're accusing him of being. Anyway, I don't know. There, there, there's not enough. This is optimism season. And there's not enough people around here saying, hey, guys, it might not go 9-3. and three. Like that, that, You're filled with optimism, and, and there are things that, that are big questions that have not been answered, and, and everybody around here is talking about them as if they've been answered. And so if Mississippi State doesn't go 9-3 and three this year, there's going to be State fans that are going to wonder what the heck happened. Because nobody warned them that, hey, there's a chance this doesn't go well. There's a chance Ole Miss's defense really struggles. In year one, new system, a lot of new faces. There's a chance it doesn't go well. There's a chance. And I don't know if enough people are kind of warning folks, hey, it's it's not headed, it it can head towards a nine-win season, of course. But there's a chance it doesn't. And there's not enough people putting their hand up and saying, hey, there's a chance it doesn't, and you need to be prepared for that. C-Smart text line is popping. 601-879-4395. I think Ole Miss will be state. I think uh, will be good. I think state's D will be good. He also goes on to say, I think, oh, he, he kind of does the opposite. So it was back-to-back messages. For Ole Miss, it will be how the defense plays. For state, it will be how the offense plays. Think Ole Miss will, its offense will be good and state's defense will be good. Yeah. I'm a true state fan, and I say six and six for state. And Richard is a homer. <laughs> you know what? Both sides of things there. Um, are quarterback competitions going into camp being used as a facade for a strategic advantage? No, not I do find- for a strategic advantage. I do find it interesting that you have three levels of quarterback competition, if you will, at the three big schools, right? At State, there's not one. It's Will Rogers. At Ole Miss, it's not really one, but Sanders could possibly find a way to win the job, I guess. But it's going to probably going to be dark. And then at USM, you have an actual quarterback competition. You don't know who the starter is going to be as we sit here today. And the coach doesn't know either. I don't think. And, and, Coach and doesn't remember, know either. Yeah. You remember Will Hall said before camp began that he really would like to name a starter a couple of weeks into camp and then kind of have their guy in place for the last two weeks or so going into the game. I don't know that I've heard him say anything that makes me believe he's a week away from naming a starter. And he did He did follow it up with, like, I don't know if we'll be able to do that or not. So um, certainly based on – some of the stuff that Luke said earlier, it sounds like there's a lot still to be decided. I have a couple of scrimmages that will probably go a long way toward determining it. Maybe you do the scrimmage this Saturday, you do another one next Saturday, and then you make your decision. 
based on seeing them in some some live or semi-live action. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. In the uh, in the five o'clock hour today, we're gonna knock out a couple of teams on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Today is Wednesday. You know what that means? It means that Brian Haydad has to work an extra hour. Oh, Brian Haydad on Thunder and Lightning on the radio coming your way at 6 p.m. Do you uh, do you have someone that you are going to be speaking with during that hour? Not on not on today's uh, live show, no. But I got two interviews on tomorrow's podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of lame. No guest. Well, who wants to listen to you talk? Well, just I didn't bloviate for an hour. Lots of people, evidently bloviate. Oh, what a word! Lots and lots and lots of people. Uh, what are you talking about tonight? Uh, we'll talk about camp. Uh, we'll talk about what's going on there. I, I want to find out what people are concerned about. So we'll be hitting up the text line for that. What well, where is the position group that's got you that you're worried about? I want to talk about that. We'll obviously talk a little bit of baseball. And if they upload Arnett's uh, audio in time, maybe we'll have that. I don't know. We'll there see. Very good. Uh, that's coming up right here on all of your Super Talk Mississippi stations immediately after Sports Talk Mississippi. Thunder and lightning on the radio from 6 until 7. Not to steal your content, but what's the position group that you're most worried about at Mississippi State? Safety. I say, yeah, you've, you've been pretty consistent about that. I mean, that's, they're replacing every star. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff Schultz is the, or Kirk Schultz, rather, is the president at Washington State. And uh, in an interview, acknowledged that his program is in a bad spot. Appreciate the candor. I mean, we all agree. He said that Oregon and Washington essentially ended the call before it began. Talking about that that Friday morning call where everybody thought they were coming to um, coming to sign the grant of rights deal, and he said it's like a breakup. It's awkward. No one wants to sit there for too long. So, in this interview with ESPN, to me the most fascinating thing that was said by um, Schultz is that if they are able to somehow rebuild the, the Pac-12 with, with whomever, whatever pieces they bring in, there's obviously a question of whether or not George Klyovkov would be a part of that. 
I feel like the answer to that has to be no. But the answer from Kirk Schultz at Washington State was that is a secondary issue at this point. He says, if we choose to rebuild a conference around those four schools, is George that guy? All of that then becomes a forefront issue instead of a secondary issue. And he did say that if Stanford and Cal stay, then any creative solution pushing the Pac-12 forward would likely require a different media consultant. Yeah. Yeah, probably a good idea. Instead of the boutique firm Sports Media Advisors, led by Doug Perlman that George Klyovkov hired, who was his classmate in law school at UVA. And, oh, by the way, the Big 12 used, what was it, WME and Endeavor, something like powerhouses. Anyway, I just found that I found that interesting that, that Schultz was like, yeah, we're just not going to worry about that. Is, do you see any route for George Klyovkov to remain with the Pac-12? Like, does he get a check this month? You, you can't continue with him leading up the league, even though a lot of this stuff started before he got there. Yeah. But And apparently the commissioner of the Mountain West is really highly respected and regarded as like a... Yeah, Vincent, is that right? And so if if they go down the merger route, which the Mountain West released a statement saying they're looking to expand, which is which cracked me up because they're they're expanding to bigger brands. That's what they want. They're, it's not like they're they're pulling up Portland State from the Double A squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. if you're them and and you have the majority of the votes now, and you look at the four that you would merge with, and you say your leader got you in this point, our leader got us into this point, who would you rather have? I think that's a very easy answer. Sure. Seriously, can Klyovkov, can he collect a paycheck this month? I mean, he lost six teams from his league to other leagues. Whew. I mean, I guess if nobody's he'll canceled paid, the direct but... deposit, he'll still get it. But Should be the last one, though. Yeah. Five o'clock hour, college football fix, and a whole lot more, including a couple of teams on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. That is coming up next right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour on this Wednesday on Sports Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, Richard Cross with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Don't forget Kaiser Falls Water Park is open and a great place to uh, spend a weekend on these hot days in the dog days of August. GeyserFalls.com, that's where you go to learn more about the water park, part of Pearl River Resort. 
Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge. And also introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with AutoPay. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. Let's, uh, let's just jump right in to the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. The summer sales event is going right now, which means savings on the Ford trucks you love and the Ford SUVs you love. Visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. All right, so you guys kind of started this exercise yesterday, and we are enhancing it today. Is that right? Yeah, because I, I can't do all the way back to 1992. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I just okay. Ha- haven't lived here that long uh, on top of 1992 being my birth year. So in the college football playoff era, especially offensively, it was kind of easy. Uh, I mean, we went through it, and it was like, not really a tight end to speak of at Mississippi State. The wide receivers were dominated by Ole Miss. The quarterbacks were pretty easy. You know, it, it was kind of it's kind of simple to get through it. All so the way South back to ninety two has been in the SEC your entire life. Yeah, that yeah, I can they remember. Moved, they moved into the league in nineteen ninety two. Yeah. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, but um, but but you guys uh, could could do that back to 92 and make it really good. And it's a lot more hotly contested as well. Let's throw defense in there, too, if you guys feel like uh, taking on the challenge of doing an all-offense and all-defense. Absolutely. All-Mississippi, dating back to 1992. All right, so... Sure. That's the year of expansion in the SEC. Yep. But we're going just Ole Miss and Mississippi State players. We're yes. not. We're not doing league-wide. All right. Because it's it's highly unlikely that any Mississippi State or Ole Miss players will make an SEC network, an SEC wide one. You got a couple guys here and there, maybe, but okay. for the most part, no. All right, so let's do the let's do the hard part first. So the offensive All right. line. All right. So, um, I'm g- Larry, Larry Tunsil's on there. Yeah, Charles Cross is on there. Remember, we can go all the way and back then, to 1992. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So here, here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do three bulldogs and two rebels. I'm going to go, and I'm, I'm cheating like I did yesterday. I'm going to put Tunsil at right tackle. So we'll go right to left. I'm going to go Tunsil, Everett Lindsay, Elton Jenkins at center. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Gabe Jackson. And then Charles Cross. Did Everett Lindsay still play in '92? '92 was his last year. I, I looked. I looked it up. Ooh, nice. Love First the team Gabe unanimous Jack- All American. Yeah, Lo- love yeah. Gabe Jackson as a guard. Mm-hmm. Between him uh, and Randy Thomas, for me. Yeah. I mean, we're leaving out. We're leaving out some big time guys. Michael Ower, Pork Chop Womack. But I mean, they Cross need to make Tunsil, it on name alone. 
Chris Spencer. Ooh, Chris Spencer. Ooh, Chris Spencer over Elton Jenkins at center. Okay. And so and you remember the conversation from media days where where we had with him where he was not a center. He was, I guess, a guard. And then mm-hmm. he made the transition to center, and then he played in the NFL for a decade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll go with that. I feel good with that. I mean, I, I was I was trying to think back to those those early two thousands offensive lines for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Buckles. I mean, Spencer's on that group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can be on board with that. Okay. I mean, you're leaving Greg Little off that offensive line. I am. I am. But I mean, your point exactly. I mean, you left Porchock Womack off the line as well. All right, so. So your yeah. offensive line I left is Michael Laramie Tunsil. I mean, guys, an All-American. No. Yeah, you, you left all. So it's it's Laramie Tunsil and mm-hmm. um, Charles Cross at the tackles. Mm-hmm. Your move, <laughs> unless you want to move one of them inside. It, you want to have Laramie are, Tunsil play guard and Everett Lindsay play tackle. No, no, we'll, we'll go with Lindsay at guard. That's where he was. So okay. So you're going Gabe Jackson and Everett Lindsay at guards and mm-hmm. Chris Spencer playing center. Yeah. Pretty dang good group. Right Terrence there. Metcalf, that's another one we're leaving off. That's another oh my one. goodness. He was so good. So good. Great player. Um, this is Royce Newman. Royce Newman not in the same universe. Good player, but not with no, these guys. No, no, no. Uh, who's the tight end? There's only two for me, and they're both rebels. It's either Evan Ingram or Rufus French. I'd probably go Ingram. Mm. And State's best guy in here is probably Donald Lee, maybe Reggie Kelly, but they just don't have the stats to compare. So they never threw the tight end. Yeah, golly. I love Evan Ingram. I think it's Rufus French. Okay. Evan Ingram had some pretty crucial drops. Now, he made some huge plays. He has caught the ball better in the NFL than he did at Ole Miss. Running backs. 92 to present. Yeah. Uh, we got to split this, right? Deuce, and I go Norwood. But if you 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 could take your pick of du- of Norwood, JJ Johnson, and Anthony Dixon, and I won't argue too hard. I probably wouldn't argue too hard against Vic Ballard either. McCluster. If you want to do an all-purpose player, I'll take Dexter McCluster there. Yeah, I, I, I like that pick. And then Quinshawn D- Judkins did just go for. Uh... He did, but it's just one year, year, man. If if, if Quinshawn Judkins wakes up tomorrow and says, "I want to go join the Peace Corps," he had a great season, but we can't we can't put him there. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Quinshawn, if you're listening, the Peace Corps is great opportunities, man. You you can really do some great things. All right, wide receivers. Can we go three wide receivers I mean, at least? Sure. Yeah, sure. We make the all three, here. They might. But you might all three be rebels. The only bulldog in this discussion is Eric Bolts. He is he's literally I mean, I love to run you. I love Fred Ross, but I mean with Treadwell, Moncrief, 
Ooh. AJ. I, with DK, we talked about this yesterday. Against he only really had one great year. He's been a fantastic pro, but at Ole Miss, he only had that one big year. Same with Elijah Moore, but his year is the greatest in Ole Miss history. And as I talked about yesterday, he did it in nine games, all against SEC competition. I mean, it's it's silly how good he was that year. And then you and I talked earlier. I mean, Mike Wallace could be brought into this. Chris Collins. I mean, Ole Miss has just had a ton of receivers. I, if I, you made me pick three, I'm definitely taking AJ Brown. I like Elijah Moore. I mean, I just I think I think that's a good. I, being the all-time leading receiver for a single season at a school that's had good receivers is worth something to me, and then I'd probably go Treadwell. You go Treadwell over Moncrief? Yeah, yeah. Treadwell over Treadwell pre-injury was dominant. Post-injury was still exceptional. Yeah. Still really good, yeah. Treadwell over Chris Collins. You're going Treadwell over Shea Hodge. Well, I'm going Treadwell. The guy, the next guy for me is Eric Moulds. I, I would say he's the fourth guy. Yeah, had a I mean, couple of pretty good pick, tight end names that that popped up here that we kind of forgot about. Dawson Knox, who never had a touchdown catch in his time at Ole Miss. Yeah, which wasn't used. Well, Phil correctly. Longo forgot about him too. So yeah, um, Doug Ziegler. Yeah. So I said Charlie Perkins can't get a mention here. <laughs> Love Charlie. You, you've Perkins. done it. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, uh, love Charlie Perkins. Great guy. Great guy. But no. But he's a notch below that group that we're talking about. All right, so that leaves us with quarterback. And we get to pick two quarterbacks? Yeah. It's it's Eli and Dak. It feels like it's pretty easy for me. Well, we're up against a break so we can tease it if you had to pick one. All right. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll take a timeout. We're back with you coming up after this. And, yes, we will look at defense when we come back as well. Talk Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Supertalk app, your local Supertalk station, and at supertalk.fm. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We are stealing an idea from the SEC Network. They went with the uh, all-SEC West team, like for all of the SEC since 1992, since the uh, the last conference merger. Or, uh, well, no, since South Carolina and Arkansas came into the league. Since they expanded into divisions is how, is how I would look at it. Yeah. Um, and on the offensive side, we put together that offensive line. We um, had a little bit of disagreement at tight end. I, I don't know if we landed on Rufus French or Evan Ingram. I don't. I can go with either. I can go with either of those. Not, not going to argue too much. Hey, Dad went um, AJ Brown, Elijah Moore, 
and then pick a name out of a hat for the third wide receiver? But I went with Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell. The running backs were Deuce McAllister mm-hmm. and JJ. Jarius Norwood. Uh, Jarius Norwood. Those those were the two yeah. running backs we went with. Yeah. And so the two quarterbacks, Eli Manning, Dak Prescott. Yeah. And Borky said, if you have to start one of them, which one is it? For me, the answer is behind that offensive line, it's Eli mm-hmm. Manning. Behind that offensive line. If I had questions at offensive line, I might go Dak because of his ability to move around a little bit more. I don't think there's any debate that he moves around a little bit better than Eli Manning does. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't there, be. There, any there, shouldn't have, there are lots of things that we can debate in this exercise. I don't think that's one of them. That's not one of them. But that's the other thing, too, is with this offensive line, we're going to be able to run the football, so having a running quarterback is another uh, another weapon to have. Yeah, but so is play action. Oh, you're not. You know, maybe Dak can throw the football. So looking at their stats career, I didn't realize, you know, you, you think the, this day and age of college football that uh, the completion percentage would have been really different. It's not. It's 63% for Dak and 61 for for Eli. Eli has more yards and touchdowns than Dak uh, had. But Dak has 2,500 rushing yards and 41 touchdowns. Eli has negative 135 rushing yards and five touchdowns. I, I, I mean, I want a dual-threat guy. I want Dak. Well, you go out and get your quarterback hurt running the football with this offensive line and all of those things, and I'm going to get my guy stand back there in the pocket, and he's going to throw it away when it's uh, not there, and he's going to win two Super Bowls. Uh, and he's not going right. to ever get hit, and he's going to stay healthy his entire career. So we can disagree on that. I actually have a disagree. question. I, I want to I yeah. spin off this. If you had to have one quarterback from either Mississippi State or Ole Miss since 1992 mm-hmm. – to lead you on a game-winning drive, you got to go 80 yards in two minutes and ten seconds with two timeouts in your pocket. Are you still picking one of these two, or is there another quarterback that you would use for the two-minute offense situation? There's, there's two ways to look at this for me. For old for Ole Miss. I think you probably stick with Eli, but having Corral's ability to run might be helpful. So you might go I was that. Actually, way. thinking Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly's the same thing though; it gives you the the ability yeah. to run. Yeah, I, I would go Corral over Kelly, but that's just me. Mm. Um, with State, I'm probably sticking with Dak. But Will Rogers two years ago led a what like a 50 second drive. That went 60 yards, and they put him in field goal range, and they just missed the field goal. That's not on Will Rogers. But I got to have a little. I, I, I think I got to stick with Dak for, for State and for Ole Miss. I'm probably sticking with Eli, but I would I might be tempted to have Corral there. Let's flip over to the defensive side. All right. Okay. Going to be some bulldog flavor here. I'll just go ahead and let you know. I agree, but I don't think it's yeah. exclusive. No, no, no. There's some big-time Ole Miss players here. Uh, defensive line. I'm going to run a 3-4. Ooh, okay. And I'm going to put Jeff Simmons in the middle, 
with Kim Diche and Chris Jones at the tackles. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, good luck, buddy. <sighs> I mean, means, I'm leaving out means, a lot of guys. That means I Jeffrey know. Simmons is not on your defensive line. I just said Jeff Simmons in the middle. Oh, oh okay, okay. That's okay, my nose guard. That's what I think over the center. I'm sorry. That Fletcher means Cox Fletcher is not Cox on is not on your defensive line. Yeah. Fletcher Cox is not there. Um, just trying to think through the years of, of guys, you know, of, of Willie Blade at Mississippi State. The guy that I thought of at Ole Miss was Chad Brown. Wouldn't mind having him. Borky, why can I never remember the nose guard from South Carolina that played for Ole Miss? Big barbecue guy. Went to the 49ers. Darrell Poe? No. No. Tim Bowens? From Wayne County. No. Ooh, that's a good call, too. Oh, Tim Bowens oh, is another guy. Uh, DJ Jones. Sure. I'm thinking about DJ Jones. Guy. Yeah, good player. Underheralded, but, but an anchor in the middle of that line. Good player, but we're not ahead of Simmons. No. He's had a yeah. great NFL no, no, career, no, no, too. No, no, I, I wasn't putting him in there ahead of Simmons. I was just thinking about some guys. Yeah. Man, Tim Bowens. Ole Miss played Alabama really in 1993. Good. In Oxford, that was the game that was on ABC, where Keith Jackson and uh, Bob Greasy yeah. and Lynn Swan came in to do the game. And I will for always remember Keith Jackson's going through the starting lineups, and he gets to Tim Bowens, and he goes, "He's man size." <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. Good one. Good yes, player. he was. Somebody suggests Parade right. Jerry at nose guard as an option there not, as well. Not a bad player, really good, but again, not ahead of Simmons. Um. So, linebacker. So we're going Patrick, three four. So we got Patrick four Willis is one of them. Pa- Patrick Willis no, is, no is one of them, and there's no debate there. I want to go in the inside. Patrick Willis and Mario Hagen. And on the outside, I'm going to cheat a little because he didn't play this at state. But I'm going to put Montez Sweat as one of those outside linebackers. And then. Uh, I'm tempted to do the same thing and put Marquise Haynes there. God, I, I, he, that was a terrifying player for Ole Miss. Uh, but I, I might go Preston hold on, Smith. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. Are you sure you don't want to switch to a 4-3 and put Montez Sweat on one end Chris Jones and Marquise Haynes DJ. on the other end and then anchor the middle I'm, of that I'm, defensive line with Chris Jones and Jeff Simmons or Chris Jones and, Ro- and Robert Kimdichie? Well, I'm gonna go Chris. I'm gonna go Jeff Simmons one way or the other. So it'd be Jones and it would probably be Simmons and Kim Diche. So go Sweat Haynes. We can do better than Marquise Haynes though for Ole Miss. I think. I feel like there's there's somebody I'm missing. Dude, here. he he may be the fastest guy. He was great. That Ole Miss has ever had. Oh, it was it was terrifying. Um. So then we have then we have Patrick Willis right, so, in the so, middle. So I wrote I wrote down another name at linebacker for Mississippi State, and I think you're gonna push okay. back on this. I might. You never know. Are we forgetting how good Bernardrick McKinney was? No, no, we're not, but I would pick Hagen over Bernardrick. Did Hagen not walk down great to defensive end some? Well, they moved him in the three three five, they moved him outside his senior year, which was silly. Made no sense to do. There there is I mean uh, another guy that I was thinking about at linebackers, Cassius Ware. Cassius Ware, sure. 
Number 40 was a bad dude. And, I mean, you had Dwayne Dotson I mean, he in could be, mix as well, but I would take Ware over Dotson. Could Ware play outside? Could we? Could he be our one of our outside guys? All right. Hell, Patrick Willis could play outside. And Patrick Willis could play anywhere on the football field. It, I mean, if you need him to play free safety, you will. Who's your free safety? Yeah, it'd be fine. Can I get pre-injury Tony Connor? Sure. I thought Cody that guy Pruitt was, was on, really on the, good at safety as well. Cody Pruitt, really good. Pig Prather. Could you um, could you drop Sinquez Golson back to his safety? I might want Sinquez to be one of my corners, but no, I don't know. No, he, uh, my corner. here, here's your safety. It's Mike Hilton. Yeah, but he's, he's not, strong he's safety not a though, free isn't he? Safety. Uh, yeah, he's so, strong safety. I don't think he can play free. He picked off Hilton a swing pass in a goal safety. line situation today at training camp. It's the video is like you can't believe it happened. Swing pass to the running back, catch the snap, throw it to the running back on a goal line situation, and he picked it off and took it 100 <laughs> yards the other way. Somebody just said, "What about KJ Wright, linebacker?" Oh, jeez, that's another one. Got a lot of options at corner, but I think they're all mostly Mississippi State. I'm probably I'm probably going to go Smoot and either Banks or Forbes. My first old miss thought was Ken Lucas. Well, and I was thinking about Ken Lucas. He was better in the NFL than he ever was at Ole he Miss. He was. He was better in the NFL. He, he yeah. had a better NFL career than he had a college career. Walt Harris, another one. That's a good one. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back right after this. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. If you're looking for a new car or truck or SUV, the Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place to go. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford on the Ford lot right now as we speak. They've got a bunch of F-150s and a, and a lot of different trim packages. There is a beautiful platinum Ford Expedition that is sitting on the lot right now. I've got a couple of Broncos out there up the hill on the Toyota lot, some Forerunners in stock. The Tundras are hard to come by. They had a few in stock. I think there's one that's still on the lot. Whatever it is that you're looking for, let them take care of you at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Belk family has been in the automobile business for over 100 years. They've had a Ford dealership in Oxford since 1961. It's a family business, and they will treat you like family. Plus, they've got service after the sale, a uh, newly enlarged and enhanced service department available to take care of whatever it is that you need. And if a used car is what you're looking for, they've got plenty of options there as well. Visit them online at belkford.net or oxfordtoyota.com or stop by in person and see them. Give them a call. Tell them Sports Talk Mississippi sent you. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Um, are we finished on the defensive side? Uh, let, seems like there's a I lot of names name without that, some finality. I, I, we, we got ripped. I saw a name that I liked. Okay, I saw a name that I liked for outside linebacker. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll stick with uh, where the three four. We'll stick with Willis and uh, Hagen in the middle. Greg Favors on the outside for, Miss, for Mississippi That's State. That's a really good call. Um, 
Let's see here. Somebody said Eric Moulds has to be on the field. I think we agree, but we're talking about what they did in college, not what they did in the NFL. And Eric Moulds had a better professional career than he had college career. It's kind of like the same thing with Ken Lucas at quarterback. If you want to do it based on what he did in the NFL, then Ken Lucas is one of your corners. Like, he's on one side and Smoot's on the other. Yeah. And Moulds had a good college career, but State just didn't throw the ball as well. He didn't have a lot of great quarterback play while he was there. But he's, I mean, outstanding college football player. And look, I mean, if you want to substitute one of those guys for Eric Moulds, knowing the quarterbacks that you've got and the offensive line you've got and the running yeah, back you've I'm got, fine. I, mean, he, I think he's going to perform on this all-offensive yeah. team as well. I mean, I'm just going to try and rip through a bunch of these names that you guys have have, have sent to us. Uh, there was one for Senquez Golson. Uh, had Golson is one of your corners, along with Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, somebody said uh, Kevin said Sam Williams is an honorable mention linebacker. Willie's Willie Gay's name popped up. I get a Josh Morgan here. I don't think that Josh Morgan no. is the same as the rest of this crew. Um, no. Not as good, no. Chris White at middle linebacker said loved that guy. I, uh, I don't remember Good player, that. but no. He did win the uh, Connerly, but Yeah, no. Jonathan Abrams' name. Somebody said Patrick Trahan is a forgotten linebacker at Ole Miss. I, I agree. Really good player, but not for this conversation. Right. Uh, Cam Lawrence and Darius Slay were two names that popped up. James Slay, good, but no. Nah. Okay. Uh, James in Hattiesburg said Ken Lucas and Alundus Bryce. He also said Kendrick Lewis has the best ball skills of any Ole Miss safety ever. He's a really good player. I'm not sure that that's where I would go for my starting free safety for this. Seneca Taylor is an interesting name. He was really good player. Really good. Um. Todd Sandroni is your safety. That's from Jake in the Delta. That's, That's not – he's earlier than 92, isn't he? Did it, I, yeah, I think. I think he yeah. finished in 90 or 91. We'd have to double-check on that. Um, L.P. Spence's name comes up. Greg Favors. Somebody asked, would you would you pick Greg Hardy over Marquise Haynes? Greg Hardy was really good. Really good. We well, I would not pick Greg Hardy for anything. Um, C.J. Johnson's name pops up. No. Eddie Strong, good player, but not 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 a, not at this tier. Tony Gator Bennett, too early. Mm. He he was drafted in ninety. Okay. All right. Um. Somebody suggests Jamie Collins. Yeah, if we could pull one from Southern Miss into this conversation, yeah. Jamie Collins would be there. Jamie Collins and, and Adelius Thomas would be in, no questions asked. Yeah. Uh, all right. What about what about special teams? Oh, okay. I didn't prepare for that. No, I know. I know. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm adding that. I was thinking about it during the break. I actually did it because there are a couple of names that popped into my head for punt return. <laughs> we got we got an embarrassment of riches here. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. We have. So, obviously, you know, Tulu Griffin right now is there. He's in the conversation. 
Derek Dexter Pegues McCluster. Is in the conversation. Derek Pegues, Derek Dexter McCluster, Chad so, Bumpus. I did something. Would there. be in that conversation. I went back and there's I another name up, though. I, I went back and I pulled up the all-time punt return yardage leaders from the SEC. Tony James at Mississippi State. Tony James. Third all-time. 92 was his last year, so he would make the cut. Yes. To Boris Fisher from Ole Miss. Seventh all-time. I forgot about him. Good player. Marche Green, 17th all-time in SEC history in punt return. Mm -hmm. Derek Pegues is 25th all-time. This is totally yours. This isn't higher. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Mike Espy, 33rd all-time. And here's the other thing about Espy. He had he led the SEC in a single season with 43 punt returns. I, I would not have guessed that. Would not have guessed that, yeah. All-time single Tony season. Tony James. Leader. When Tony James left college football, he was the all-time leading kick returner in NCAA history. Wow. He has since been surpassed, obviously, but... I mean, I was just when I said there was another name, that was the guy I was about to throw out. All right, so what about punter? Why? If only Bill Smith was available to us here, it would make it really easy. I mean, Logan uh, Cook is in the conversation, but if you're going to Logan all, Cook is know, in the conversation, career average, say what? Jeff Walker would be in my would be on the list for me. Um, Logan Cook's career average was forty one point seven yards. Um, okay. You've got uh, Mac Brown from Ole Miss, seventeen to twenty-one. He averaged almost forty-four yards per punt. Tyler Campbell, I mean, name I hadn't thought about in a long time, um, forty-four point six yards per punt. Mm-hmm. Jared Cook at Mississippi State averaged forty-two yards a punt. Yeah. I, I don't know who your punter is. I mean, just yeah. take your pick. Pick yeah. one of the good ones. Kicker. I'm between. The, the, I got three names that I'm going with here. Two I mean, rebels and a bulldog. There, there's a Groza Award winner in there. And Jonathan Nichols. Oh, I forgot about Nichols. I forgot about Nichols. That might I mean, be the way. He, he the won pub, the Groza You know the problem punt? with Nichols, right? Y- yes, you know the problem with Nichols, right? He missed two kicks in the most important game that Ole Miss has played. I mean, he missed the most years. important kick. Yeah. Yeah. But he did win the Groza Award. So put him in there with uh, Scott Westerfield from State. And the other two Rebels I was thinking of were uh, Les Binkley. Les Binkley? Yeah, and He's the Gary one that Wonderland. made the field. Didn't he make a field goal to win the Independence Bowl? And uh, was I believe that's correct, He, he was yeah. quoted after the fact, no, I wasn't nervous. There are two billion people that live in China that don't care at all about what I was doing. It's either him or Wonderlick that made that kick. It's one of those two. Yeah. Brian Lee was I remember him. Awful. I think that's a, I think he's, he, he think he's terrible early too. in the 1990 season. Yeah. Yeah. But then in the January 1st Gator Bowl, he kicked the field goal for Ole Miss's only points in that 35 to 3 loss to Michigan and then he went on to have like an all SEC season. Yeah. Was 91 his last year, or did he kick in 92? I don't I remember. remember that. I don't remember. Well, that kick return. I mean, 
So Tony James for the punt return, kick return. Can I have? I mean, I want McCluster on the team. I just I feel like he needs to be there. So let's just let him do that. What about? Um, oh goodness, from running back from three years ago. Like I can see him. I'm just for State Ely. No, or for Ole yeah. Miss. Jerry Jerry on Ely. Yeah, I can live with that. I mean, I would rather do McCluster than Ely personally. Didn't Neely have like three that went to the house? I don't recall. I mean, maybe. Bumpus would be in the discussion, too, kick returner. He had two or three career touchdowns. Hmm. What a fun exercise. By the way, I lied to you. We're not getting 100 teams in 100 te- days today. <laughs> Sorry. We just fall a little farther behind. The Friday before the first game, we're going to do every – that's all the segments. We're just going to catch up the whole thing and be done with it. Coming September 1st. Uh, Smitty says Brian Lee kicked in the 92, and he made an extra point in the Egg Bowl to make him the all-time leading scorer for Ole Miss at the time. Uh, Brian Hazelwood's another name that popped up. Andrew Ritter's a name that pops up. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Hey, Dad, I'm afraid that we uh, outthought the room on kick return. There was, uh, there was a night in, uh, in 1999 with a, uh, a game in Oxford that started like this. Here's the kick. It's a left-footed kicker, Dotson. It's underway and taken by Deuce at the goal line. Far side, straight ahead to the 5, 10, 15, 20. Sidelines, 25, 30, breaks a tackle. Now, we've had some other games already, that have started with a He's already on the team. He's already on the team. We, we, I didn't want to double up. Okay. Okay. Which Tula Griffin did that to start a game last year or two years ago? Two years ago, North Carolina State. That's what it was. I remember, I remember you tweeting at me. You were just like, if you kick the Tula Griffin, that's kind of a you problem. But <laughs> you're right. Is a you problem, no doubt. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. They've got uh, little savings for you right now as they have made it to the end of the summer season. New fall merchandise is arriving daily. And so on select styles, by ordering online, you can get 25% off, plus free shipping on your order uh, simply by entering your name and your email address. So, great opportunity for you to do that, but you can also click on that tab for the Collegiate Collection. You've got uh, merchandise, uh, the golf shirts and the pullovers, and just all kinds of great-looking stuff in prints and stripes and solids to help you look your best this fall, whether you're headed to the Junction or to the Grove or you are uh, headed to the Rock this year. They've got you covered at Genteel. Genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. And, no, I have not forgotten about our trivia contest. We're going to do that. We're going to give away some Genteel 
collegiate collection gear between uh, – we might start that next week. So I think last week I said we would start it this week, but may wait one more week on that. So All right. um, good stuff. Somebody says tomorrow that you should debate the top ten teams in Mississippi State and Ole Miss history from 1992 forward. Oof. Okay. All right. We will um, collectively, right? So, so we're talking about 34, sure. 60, uh, hold on, 64 seasons worth of teams. Wow. Thanks no, for not that many. Making 60, me feel Nineteen ninety-two. We're well, in twenty twenty-three. So it'd be sixty seasons worth of teams, thirty for each. Yeah, it's too many. I don't like feeling that old. Yeah, well, and that's only number one's going to be tough. <laughs> Is that a joke? <laughs> Pretty easy for both, in my opinion. Yeah. No, no, we're saying we have to take... No, the best combined team. We, we have to take all of Mississippi State's 30 seasons and all of Ole Miss's 30 seasons and then make a top 10 list of the 10 best oh. seasons out we're of those combined We're not separate here. Right, so like 60 2005 Mississippi State is number the, the third best team ever or whatever. That might be number 60. I'll be totally honest with you. You pick the year <laughs> that might be that number sixty. The they did win the there. egg ball. They won the egg ball, so they, they could be ahead of that old Miss team. But no, God, no! What an awful choice. I know you didn't know, but man, see, and, and this is what makes it interesting. Somebody on the text line said, a "Cold sweat just broke out in my, on my back thinking about that." A team that won the Sugar Bowl has to be number one. That team lost to Memphis, though. Yeah, but they won 10 games. They did, and they lost three, one of which was to Memphis. Yeah. I mean, the 2003 Ole Miss team. Yeah. See? Lost to Memphis and Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Stop losing to Memphis. Stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. You know what the best way to stop losing to Memphis is? Not playing them. Stop playing Memphis. Yeah, just, just not going to play. And, and the crazy thing is, like, there's some big losses to Memphis in the series, but Ole Miss and Memphis have played however many times. It's like Ole Miss has won 80% of the games in the series. Like, what opponent would you not take winning 8 out of 10 over the course of 100 years? Mercer. Well, yeah. Sorry to be too so literal. <laughs> yes, that was that was quite literal. All you. I mean, Jacksonville State, yeah, Maine, sure, okay. I mean, there are plenty. There are plenty that are in there. Ah, Sean, just give me the heebie-jeebies talking about some of this stuff. Mm. Um, I don't think there were any surprises in the uh, announcement of all the announcing teams for ESPN. It was uh, more. I, I no? guess everybody realized that Derek Mason uh, is going to be a game analyst this year. So he is replacing Deuce McAllister on the SEC Network this season. So Deuce just didn't want to do it this this year? I don't know. I I don't know what the uh, deal is. I have not talked to him about it. So fun show today. Thanks for for being with us. Thanks for all the engagement on the C Spire text line. That was a heck of a lot of fun here in the 5 o'clock hour. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thunder and Lightning coming up next. We're back with you tomorrow. Good night. It's incredible.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services a Super Talk Mississippi media production.